as just disembodied souls. But his plan is that we would live forever with him as whole persons, both body and soul. And so the resurrection is not just a past event with Jesus, but a future event with us. And here's why this is significant to note, okay? Not only is it a biblical truth, but the Corinthians were having just a really hard time with this. All right, they were, they were struggling with this idea of, of resurrection. All right, because Paul, as he's writing to this young church, he's writing to like just a bunch of young Christians. Very cool, in a vibrant city, a very intellectual city. I mean, you can think like Madison, Wisconsin. Everybody has gone to college, everybody has super smart and has degrees and letters after their name, and they have a lot of perspectives that they've embraced. They've all taken the world religion classes, the philosophy classes, and they've learned to embrace a lot of the isms, right? Like pluralism and postmodernism and perspectivism and all the isms. We have all those things. And they, all these people are super smart. They know about all this stuff. And as they have these, these, these things that they think they know, they're all thinking, you know what? Here's where I'm at. I've learned a lot of stuff. I've read a lot of really great articles. My professor has like told me a bunch of things. I, I, I think I know what is true, but here's where I'm at. I really don't know about the resurrection. It may be true and it might not be true. And not only that, like I don't really think it matters either way because who really cares about the resurrection? After all, it's, it's Jesus' life, not the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus that really matters. It's just his life because he's a model, an example for us on how we live. So the resurrection it, true or false, I don't, you know, it's not a big deal. And as the Christians in Corinth were questioning and denying the resurrection, Paul understands that they aren't thinking right. And he understands that if their logic is like laid out in front of them and played out, they'll understand that if you take out the resurrection, it literally changes and undermines everything about God's redemptive plan for humanity. And so what Paul does is he just asks a very perplexing question. Look at verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? All right, so what he's doing is this, is he's gonna say, if you wanna deny the resurrection of the dead, both Jesus' resurrection and of the past and our future resurrection, he says, you can do that, and, and really that's your prerogative, but you just need to understand that there are major logical consequences that come along with this denial that everything is gonna fall apart, that if the resurrection does not exist in any shape or form, the consequences to the Christian faith and discipleship are really just devastating. And it affects every single one of our lives. And what Paul does in this section, in these couple verses, is really just help people to see the logic of their beliefs. So they're saying, okay, the resurrection is, is really not true, and Paul's like, okay, let's just go there for a minute and trace out the logical progression if that is actually in fact true. Because if we fail to believe the resurrection, Doc said, everything falls apart. That the resurrection is the hinge upon which the story of the world pivots. Because the resurrection of Christ in the past and the resurrection of human beings in the future have deep practical significance for the present. It changes everything. The resurrection changes the way that we understand life and death, truth and eternity. And in 12, verses 12 through 19, Paul gives us seven devastating consequences for denying the resurrection. All right, and this is where we're gonna go today, okay? We're gonna use the natural, logical outcomes if the, if the resurrection is not true. Paul gives us seven, and the first is this. If the resurrection is false, then Christ himself was not raised. All right, look back to verse 12. 
Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? So Paul's saying if Jesus Christ is still dead and his bones are in the ground somewhere and he really did not rise, then here is what we lose. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And then if you skip down to verse 16, he says the same thing. If the, if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And so to put it simply, if there is no resurrection, then Jesus himself did not triumph over death. This is big, that if dead men don't rise, then Jesus is still dead. And that literally changes everything, Doxa. And presumably, the Corinthians, the the heretics that were in this church, never intended to suggest that Jesus was still dead, but Paul is pressing the logic of their position in order to help them understand what this would mean if it was actually true, because denying the resurrection of our bodies also requires that we deny Jesus' resurrection because they're intimately linked. If you look at verse 14, they're intimately linked. And so if the resurrection is untrue, here's what we need to know. You and I, and every other person in this world will be defeated by death. And if you think about death, death is really just our enemy, right? I mean, we hate death. That's why you have airbags in your cars. That's why there's signs on the highway that says, if you text somebody right now, you will die, right? That's why we make a big deal and freak out about a viral outbreak because people do not want to die. People want to live. But the reality is, it doesn't matter what we do, eventually, death will come for us all and it will beat us. And so we can prolong our life, but we can't extend it indefinitely. And Jesus is the only one who has conquered death. He's come back from death, and so if Jesus didn't conquer death, no one will. None of us, it's impossible. And what that practically means, Paul's logic again, if you just follow it, it means this, is that this life that you're living right now is all there is. You just live a few years, you get kicked around a little bit, you have some fun, and then you die. He's saying that's all there is. So Paul is trying to help us understand. The second thing he says is this. If the resurrection is false, then our message is empty. Look back at verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. All right, and you remember playing with dominoes when you were a little kid, you stack them up and then they all, you hit one and it all starts to fall. This is what Paul is doing with his arguments here. That Paul's second argument joins the force of the first to really just topple over the Corinthians' flawed thinking. Because he's saying if the resurrection is false, then Christ's resurrection is false. And if Christ's resurrection is false, then the message of the gospel itself is completely vain. And the word vain here comes from the Greek meaning empty or meaningless or hollow. It's just devoid of content. And so without the resurrection, the good news of Jesus is really no news at all. There is no gospel. All right, Timothy Keller puts it like this, and I quote, if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? All right, simply put, if the resurrection is false, the gospel message is false. And to that, a man named John Stott says it like this, that the person and work of Christ are the rock upon which the Christian religion is built. If he is not who he said he was, and if he did not do what he came to do, the foundation is undermined and the whole superstructure will collapse. 
And so, Doc says, we think about the resurrection. If the resurrection is in fact false, Paul is saying all the apostles' teachings, all of the preaching, all of the sermons, all of the Christian books, all of your Bible is just lies. It's fable, it's myth, it's legend, it's folklore. And, and above that, it's just foolishness. And so what we should do, honestly, if this is true, is we should just walk out of this room, we should take our Bible, and we should just burn it in the parking lot. At the very least, rip out the New Testament, because guys, the New Testament is all about the implications of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if this is not true, it's all a lie. It's not helpful to anything. It's hurtful, because the gospel demands a response. And if it's just fake, this is not a helpful thing. That if Jesus didn't rise, then there's nothing to talk about. If he didn't rise, there's no Christianity, there's no church, there's no truth, there's no heaven, there's no hell, there's no forgiveness of sin, there's no hope, there's just no point. And if you remember back to our study through the book of Acts like a year and a half ago, the constant preaching and teaching in the early church was around the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if he didn't rise, all of those people are liars. And I would encourage you not to listen to a word in this book. I would encourage you not to come back to Doxa Church. Certainly don't share any of these sermons with anybody because it's all a lie. And we have all been in cahoots to dupe you into living and thinking a certain way so that we could manipulate you. This is what Paul is saying. Thirdly, Paul says this, if the resurrection is false, then our faith is vain. So back to verse 14, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. And so just as no resurrection would make preaching the gospel absolutely meaningless, it would also make faith in Jesus worthless. That faith in such a gospel would be empty and have no effect, it would have no purpose because a dead savior cannot give life to anyone. And this is the truth. And if there is no resurrection, you know, you read your Bible and you get to places like uh, Hebrews chapter 11, called the hall of faith. It should be called the hall of fools because all of those people, they lived for nothing. They believed for nothing, they died for nothing. It was all made up. And the Christians throughout history who were mocked and scourged and imprisoned and stoned and afflicted and killed, all the Christians around the world that don't have the opportunity to gather like this but are literally being killed for their faith, all of those people endure all of that in vain. All believers throughout history would have believed for nothing, lived for nothing, and died for nothing. So Doxa, if the resurrection is false and if Jesus is dead, simply put, Christianity is just worthless. All right, it accomplishes nothing. It doesn't offer hope, it doesn't offer help because Jesus says, I am God. And Christianity claims that Jesus is God and that Jesus came from heaven and he entered the human story to identify with us and Christianity says that Jesus lived a sinless life in our place and he died on a cross to be our substitute and to pay for the penalty of our sin and then three days later, he rose to conquer Satan, sin, death, and hell. And as he did that, he did it all for us to forgive us, to allow us to not just go in the grave but go, to go through the grave to meet with him in heaven forever. And if he's still dead, that is just worthless. It's a, it's a, it's a folklore, it doesn't mean anything. If it's not true, Doxa, I mean, you, as Christians, you're holding on to a false hope just to make yourself feel better right now. 
but it's actually not a real hope. If Jesus is dead, my faith and your faith is just like in a decomposing body somewhere. And that's just weird, right? And that's what Paul is trying to get us to think and understand. And he could probably be done at this point, but he's not. He keeps going. The fourth thing he says is this, if the resurrection is false, then we are all liars. Verse 15, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it's true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. So doctor, if there's no resurrection, all right, every single one of us in this room who is following Jesus and every single Christian throughout history is a liar. And even more, the very character of God is destroyed because the gospel that Paul preaches and proclaims was not something that he came up with, but he even says it was given to him by God. And even more, Jesus himself, who predicted his death and his resurrection and all of our resurrections, he's just a liar. It's all lies. And again, if you just play this out, play this out logically. This is what Paul, he's speaking very logically. He's not using like spiritual terms, it's just logic. And, but some people today will, will say, but I disagree with the church and I don't believe its teachings. But they will say, even though I don't agree with them, I think they're really helpful. And I think they're really loving people and they're caring for people. But do you understand this? Because if the resurrection is not true, the church, Christians, Jesus, are not good people trying to help. But they're deceptive liars. Jesus becomes the most damnable man in the history of the world. And so are we, because we are deceiving people with a truth that, not, that promises to give everything in life, but it changes everything about your life. And if that's not true, guys, that is not helpful or loving. It's just deceptive and totally false. And with this, all the teachings of the Bible should not be regarded as helpful because it's all based on a lie. Let's keep going. Verse 17, the fifth thing that Paul says is that if the resurrection is false, then we are lost in our sin. He says in verse 17, if, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Simply put, Doxa, without the resurrection, there is no gospel. There's no good news. All of what we're doing today, this makes absolutely no sense. None at all. That if Jesus is still dead, sin cannot and will not be forgiven. And Paul wants us to understand in this verse that our sin problem remains unsolved if the resurrection is untrue. And as you read through the scriptures, the unanimous testimony of the scriptures is that the wages of sin is death, that the consequences for sin is death. Paul says this in Romans 6.23, and we see this from the very first of humanity in Eden, right? That God creates, he creates humanity, he speaks to them, he provides to them, he gives them everything. And along with this, God just gives them one rule. All right, God is, is so good. He just literally gives one rule, and that rule is essentially this. Don't kill yourself. All right, God says, like, everything is yours. I've given you everything. Have at it, but there's one thing that you must not do, or it will kill you. And just like all of us, we go our own way. We do our own thing. We start to think that we have the answer. We don't listen to God, 
and humanity doesn't listen, sin comes into the human story, and this has led to all the brokenness and the suffering and the pain and the sorrow that we all experience today. We talked about this last week, but sin is the biggest problem in all of our lives and it leads to all of our problems in our lives. And without the forgiveness and mediation of our sin, guys, we just exist separated from God. And if that separation continues into the grave, it just leads to just like eternal separation, which is the terrible conscious reality of hell. And so it's kind of like this, okay? God is, is the living God. And when we sin, we basically unplug ourselves from the living God and we die. All right, think about it in terms of like your cell phone, right? When your cell phone's plugged in, it has life, but as soon as you unplug it, it begins to die, right? And unless you plug it back in, it will remain dead. Guys, we're kind of like that. Unmediated sin in our lives just unplugs us from God, and unless you plug back into the living God, you are physically alive, but you are spiritually in a cycle of death. And you will live for a while, just like your phone, but you will eventually die, and you will be separated from God forever. And Paul is saying, without Jesus, there is no forgiveness of sin, because he is the only outlet that we can plug into God and find life. It's only Jesus. And if Jesus didn't die on the cross to take away my sins and raise to make me new and that it's true, then there's no forgiveness. We're all just stuck in our sin, disconnected from God, which is going to lead to eternal separation. Sixthly, another awful consequence that Paul mentions is this, is that if the resurrection is false, then the dead are dead. Verse 18 then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. All right, and here's what this means. John Stott says it like this. If the resurrection is false, then death remains not only the last enemy, but the one invincible terror in our lives. All right, so death is not just falling asleep and waking up to see God, but without the resurrection, it's that we just die without God. And I was thinking about this, Paul's words here, it made me think of, you know, all the funerals that I've had to do as a pastor throughout the years. And you know, without exception, at every funeral, one statement is always said by so many people. I know they're in a better place now. Have you said that? Have you seen people stand over a casket and say that to themselves to receive some amount of hope? I know they're in a better place now. Paul here is saying, if the resurrection is not true, then all the dead are not in a better place. That every Christian who has died is not with God, but they're in the process of spending eternity in torment without hope. Their faith was completely in vain. Their sins were unforgiven, and their destiny is just damnation. And Paul says that any Christian who died in the hope of rising like Jesus, that in their earthly life they learned that Jesus beat death and rose from death, and they believe that if I love and follow Jesus and put my faith in him, I'm gonna raise like Jesus too, and I'm gonna have a new glorified body in the presence of God in heaven where there'll be no sin, just joy. 
Paul says those people who died with that false belief are just naive. They're gullible, they're fools. They believed a gospel that's just a myth and they were deceived to think that there was a life in something on the other side of the grave. Because if Jesus is still dead, Doxa, we just need to understand there is no hope beyond the grave. That this life is all we have. And no matter how much you wanna say at a funeral, they're in a better place. They just aren't. They're in a hole in the ground or a box on your mantle, but that's it. Guys, isn't that just like despairing? It's like depressing, right? If you're new to Doxa, I'm sorry. We just go through books of the Bible, I'm sorry. But it is, and believe it or not, it actually gets worse. The final thing that Paul says is this, if the resurrection is false, then we are to be pitied, verse 19. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. And in light of the other consequences, this one's pretty obvious, right? Paul says that Christians are pitiful fools because they worship a dead guy thinking that he's gonna somehow give them eternal life. It's like they're crazy. Like Christians are like lunatics, right? They need to be put in a padded room, given a hug and like a teddy bear because they're living by hallucinations and it makes no sense. Because apart from the resurrection, there is no savior, there is no salvation, there's no forgiveness of sin, there's no hope for eternal life with God. That apart from the resurrection, Jesus is reduced to yet another good but dead man and is therefore of no considerable help to any single one of us. I mean, plainly stated, Jesus without the resurrection means that a few billion people that are gathered on the, on the, around the world on like a Sunday morning to worship Jesus as God, they're gullible and they're foolish and they're pitiful. And now some of you, you know, when we talk about Jesus, when we talk about Christianity, in religion, some of you have heard that when it comes to religion, it doesn't really matter if it's true or false, as long as it works for you. Have you heard that? I mean, in a city like Madison, you for sure have heard that. But people will say, you do you. That whatever helps you, whatever works for you, just believe in that and it's all good. That if you wanna believe in Jesus or Buddha or crystals on your desk, whatever you wanna do, if it helps you to be a better person and it helps you to have motivation to carry on living your everyday stuff of life as you're getting kicked in the face by life, you just do you and if it works for you, that's great. But what Paul is saying is this, as it comes to Christianity, guys, if Jesus is dead, it doesn't work. You aren't forgiven, you don't rise after death to be with God and there's no heaven for you, it just does not work. And this is the problem with religion. Some of you in here, I know you're not Christians, but you're very religious. You're very religious. And some of you, you the problem with religion is that it might, might work right now in the present to give you something in this life, some type of hope or whatever you might need in this life, but I want you to know while it might work in this life, it won't work for your eternal life. You need to understand that all human beings, we will go on for eternity that it's not just the 70 or 80 years here on earth, but it's eternity that we will live for. And in the end of your earthly life, like me, every single one of us will die, and what may have worked well for you here and now is not gonna work to get you there with God. Jesus is the only way, and the resurrection is what validates his claim. 
But if Jesus didn't rise and pass through the grave into eternity, none of us will. And we're just pitiful fools who have no hope. And we certainly should not live our lives in light of the words, the works, and the ways of Jesus because we just need to embrace the inevitability that life is bleak and terrible and short and awful and painful and horrible and we should just stop medicating ourselves with false hope and just be real about the life we live in. And so there's no way that any of us should try and be sacrificial with our love and our money and anything like that because we just need to embrace what the world says and just live for you and like live for the moment and just be in a place where, guys, life just is suck, sucks sometimes, right? And so just do everything you possibly can to make yourself feel better for these little tiny years that you have on earth because this is all we got. I mean, without the resurrection, like a hedonistic, like narcissistic way of living, could make perfect sense. And so to sum it all up, Paul is saying, if you would deny the resurrection, your belief comes to a very logical and sad conclusion, which is this. We all have a profound lack of future hope. That this life is all we have, and it can be destroyed at any moment. And so if the resurrection is not true, then we should really just spend the rest of our lives striving to get everything we can possibly get our hands on that just makes us feel a little bit of happiness, a little bit of joy, a little bit of comfort. Or as Paul puts it, if you look down to verse 32, we should just eat and drink for tomorrow we die. It's being sarcastic. It's like, if that's what you think about life, yeah, that's probably what you should do. Doc, so this is a very bleak and sad view. This is what makes nihilism which is really just the belief that life is meaningless and makes that view, that worldview, completely logical. This was the view propagated by the great philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche. He had nothing to live for, convinced of this, and he literally had a mental break, went crazy and then died. Nothing to live for. But hear this, Doxa. This is where Paul starts but this is not where he finishes. Verse 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, amen? Paul shifts from talking about the hypothetical to talking about the factual, from the what if to the what is. And he says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. And so these depressing things that we just talked about are just not true. And because of the great historical reality of the resurrection, the gospel is true, and the gospel actually reverses these negative consequences that Paul just listed out. So because Jesus has been raised, we will also raise to new life, eternal life with God, that this life is not the end, that the best is yet to come, and you're not alone, that God is with you because he's made a way, and so we work with God, and we walk with God, and we're empowered by God through this life into the next. There's light at the end of the tunnel, so no matter what you're going through right now, you know that this is not eternity because eternity is going to be beautiful and it's with Jesus in perfection. Because Jesus has been raised from the dead, we know the gospel message is true and it's powerful to say that no one is too far gone and that hope and help and salvation is available to everybody through Jesus. Anybody who comes to him in faith can be saved. And this is the beauty of the gospel. Are there any jacked up, sinful, broken people in here? We all have our hands up, two hands up for me, and it's Jesus that makes it right. 
And so if you're here and you're wondering if you've done too much, you've gone too far, you believe the wrong things, yes, you have, but it's not too far for Jesus and it's not too far for you to be here at Doxville because it's the gospel. And because Jesus has been raised, our faith is well-founded. It's not in vain because the resurrection had validated Jesus' claims about the gospel. It's all true that we don't just listen naively to the words of a man who died and stayed dead, but we listen to the words of a man who died and came back to life, declaring himself, showing himself to be God, and so we can say, this is God, this is what he says, it is emphatically true and it's not in vain. Because Jesus has been raised, we are in fact forgiven of our sins. And I want you to know how great of a security and a comfort this is, because we know that we have a God who loves us, that we are his, that he is ours, and my sin, your sin in our past, in our present, in our future will not separate me from the love of God. And somebody in here needs to know that, that your background, your view of God is very poor, it's very malnourished, and you kind of think of God as like a tyrannical dad who you mess up and the dad hits you, calls you a bastard, and then kicks you out of the house. That's not our God. He doesn't do that. You are his and he is yours. And there is nothing that can take you out of the hand of God. His love is that strong. Because Jesus has been raised, the dead are actually alive. Guys, that this life is not the end. And Jesus allows us to escape the eternal reality of hell and brings us into an eternal hope of glory where there is no sin, there are no tears, there is no suffering, only God and his love. And guys, this is the day that we long for, right? Christian, the day where we pass through the grave into glory and Jesus is there and he comes up and he just looks at you and he wipes away that final tear and he says, no more. There's none of that here. There is just perfection and joy. That's gonna be a great day, Doxa. And then finally, because Jesus has been raised, we are not to be pitied. But Christian, you are to be envied because you have everything through Jesus Christ, the risen King. Christians are the richest people in the world because we have been showered the blessings of God. If you wanna be reminded of this, read Ephesians chapter one today and see all the blessings that Jesus has given you through faith. I mean, praise God, right? This is the gospel. That if we are in Christ, all is ours because of the resurrection. And if you're here today and you've not come to Jesus in faith yet, I'm here to tell you, my job is to tell you that you can and everything can be yours as well. And that is why God has brought you here. To just put this out in front of you and say, do you want this? I lived for you, I died for you, I rose for you. All you need to do is take a step towards me and I'm gonna come running towards you. Salvation, help, hope, security is all for you. Guys, resurrection means endless hope, not a hopeless end. Because no matter what you're going through, no matter what you will face in the here and now, you can know for sure that it's not gonna end there. But the best is yet to come. And so the resurrection narrative tells a story with a beautiful, happy ending. And the end of redemption history is this. And I'm trying, you can't even say this without smiling. God wins 
God wins. He wins over Satan, sin, death, hell, suffering, all of it. He wins. And if we are with him, we win alongside of him. That God is gonna defeat all of that and he's gonna renew the entire world to make it the way it was supposed to be and undo all the brokenness that sin has caused in our world and in our lives and through faith we will enjoy that for eternity. Now how do we know this for sure, Doxa? Because Jesus rose from death and he validated all of his claims to be God which means that we listen to all that he said. And so that means that there's something for everybody in this room. If you're not a Christian, I want you just to hear what Jesus is saying. You are sinful, and you're not alone. You're with a couple hundred people in here that would say, yep, me too. But you are, in fact, sinful. You also need to know that your sin will keep you from God and will lead you to hell. And I love you enough to say that awkward, hard thing, but you just need to know that. But in the midst of that sin, in the midst of the trajectory of where that's taking you, you also need to know this, you are crazily loved by God, and he has given you a way out of your predicament. And he is a way better savior than you are a sinner. This is the gospel, and so the invitation for you today is to come to Jesus and let him save your life and give you everything in a future life. And for those of you who are Christians, you know you are sinful. We tell you that every week. You know that you need Jesus. We tell you that every week too, and you've come to him. You know that you have a savior in a glorious future. And so what do you do? Worship. Worship. Doctor, thank him. Live for him. Leverage your entire life for his glory and to give that glory away to the people that don't have what you have. Jesus is alive. There's a gospel to be held on to. There's a gospel to preach. There's a love and a power to save anyone. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to invite you to stand. We are just going to worship our risen Jesus now. And so I'm going to pray. And then with one voice, we're just going to cry out and sing to Jesus, our risen God, Savior and King. So pray with me, Doxa. God, as I think about the resurrection, as I think about all that Jesus did and said, I think about the truth of Romans 5.8, that while I was still sinning, Jesus, you died for me. That while I was running away from you, that while I was just a terrible man, you looked at me with love and you were beaten, and you went to the cross to save me. And Jesus, we know that that's all of our stories that are Christians here. And so we just say, as your kids, thank you. And Jesus, we say that we love you.
And God, I do pray if there's anybody here that has not come to you in faith, Holy Spirit, would you just solidify the great hope that you have shared with us in chapter 15? Would you solidify this great love that you have for him, them? And would you just help them to take a step towards you? And would this be the day of salvation where they would come to you and say, Jesus, I love you, save me. And with all of heaven, we just celebrate that another one has come home. So you're good. Jesus, thanks for all that you've endured and all that you've accomplished.